0: podcast number two. Gotta say I'm pretty excited about this one today. A couple reasons. Finally we get to start talking about some cooking after my trailer where I kind of basically introduced myself and what the podcast is about. But number two I'm hoping this audio sounds a lot better. After listening to that first podcast I came to realize that yeah you know the beats microphone it's okay but I kept hearing some kind of I don't know, scratching or rubbing or something, and it was real annoying, so I'm hoping uh, this is going to sound a lot, lot better. Stopped at the electronics store, picked up a pretty cool microphone, so uh, hopefully this will sound a lot better. So for this podcast, I'm going to be talking about stock, and for a lot of you, you're probably like, what in the hell of all the food topics you could talk about? you decided to talk your first podcast about stock? Well, let me tell you something about stock. Stock is where it all begins for us in the kitchen. Stock, although it may seem boring to many people, and people are like, well, what is that? Just some kind of flavorless soup? Well, actually, stock is a lot more than that. Stock, to me is the essence, or the beginning, or the base of many of the things that we do in the kitchen that are liquid-based, like sauces and stews. A stock is amazing. You can put it on at night, let it cook all night long, let it do its thing, let flavors come out. Let me tell you something. When you come into the kitchen the next day and you open the door, and that flavorful aroma is just bursting in the air of stock, you realize you're home. It's just such an amazing smell. It really perfumes the whole entire kitchen, and it just feels like home. And a great example for for me, even at home, Thanksgiving time. I love Thanksgiving time, not only just because it's one of the greatest holidays and such a great food holiday, but You know, when it's all said and done, you end up with these bones from the turkey and the ham. And I get a chance to make this really flavorful turkey stock. I just let it go all night long after Thanksgiving. I wake up the next morning and the whole house, even at night when I'm laying in bed, I can just smell it. I'm so excited to get up, strain it, and then I make uh, a nice turkey soup we have for breakfast, lunch. And then I end up, I actually can a lot of uh, I make a big, huge back, uh, batch of stock. I actually save all my bones throughout the year from the raw chickens that I buy, uh, and things like that. Um, the tips from the chicken wings—I don't cook those; I keep them, and I save them all year long in the freezer. And I roast them off, and I just make this big, huge, uh, big batch of stock. And I end up canning a lot of it, so I have it to use throughout the year, so I don't have to go and buy uh, stock, you know, or broth or anything um at the at the grocery store so you've heard me talk about stock you probably hear some passion come out of me about stock but what the hell is stock all right well first of all when you think about stock you know you look at the basics of it it's really just a flavorful liquid and it's made from bones you can use seafood you can use vegetables okay and you know some people use the term stock in broth Together, when in actuality, if you look at the, technology, uh, the, the technical terms of it, a stock is made from bones, and a broth is generally a, li- a little bit more flavorful, and it's actually made from meat and or uh, bones. Okay, so just so you understand the difference technically there, and you know when you look at stock, um, it's such an amazing and in- integral part of the kitchen. You know, y- you look at I have this book in front of me, this cookbook in front of me, right? It's called Le Guide Culinaire. It's probably, to me, one of the most important cookbooks out of the hundreds, you know, that I have or have access to. Uh, It's written by, uh, you know, August Escoffier, probably, you know, for us in the culinary industry, those with the background of the training, you know, it's definitely one of the most important people in, you know, the the history of the culinary industry and, and a lot of things that we teach and we learn in culinary school. So I have his book in front of me, Le Guide Culinaire, and it's, you know, ironic that the first episode I chose actually ties really well into his cookbook, because within the first couple pages, it's actually about stock, and you know, I was reading through the book a little bit and, you know, he's in there, he talks a little bit saying the basic components used in the production of sauces, a stock or gravy, right, and goes on a little bit more. And then I really like this this thing he says in there and it says, it is to the production of perfect stocks that the, saw, the sauce cook should devote himself. And that just goes to show how important that stocks are, especially here with the sauce cook, the saucier, the person who makes all the sauces you know, for everyone in the kitchen, just how important those stocks are, you know, and he goes on a little bit further, he says stocks were the keynote of the culinary structure, all right, and then he goes on a little further and says the strength and taste are not its own, rather it is the stock which provides these, and it is in these stock that values lies, and he's talking about sauces, so, you know, when we talk about stock, the way I describe it to people that I'm teaching to is stock is like the foundation of many of the things that we're going to do. You know, kind of like if you build a house, you lay down the concrete foundation. And if you don't lay down a concrete foundation, a a, a perfectly level foundation, well, everything you build on top of that is not going to be level. Well, you can kind of think of stocks the same way. If you don't have a very good stock, whatever you try to build after that is, you know, is going to come out not as good as it should. And what's really interesting about stock when you look at French words, you know, the French call stocks "fonds de cuisine, right? Or the, the base of the cuisine just goes to show how important uh, stocks are. Um, so, let's talk about stock. Alright, what's, what's in stock? Why is this, why is it so, make, why do I make it seem like it's such a, a, a big thing? Well, stock actually has not too many ingredients, all right. But basically, it's bones, it's water, and it's mirepoix. And you know, I actually uh, when I'm when I'm teaching stock, I use a ratio that uh, students can write down and hopefully they can remember in their head. You know, you want to know, if you want to end up with about a gallon of stock, it's a really simple ratio. And I always I use the numbers eight six one. All right, so put that ratio upstairs in your head. It's eight pounds of bones, it's six quarts of water, and one pound of mirepoix, right? And by the time you cook the stock, you know, depending on how long you cook it, you know, chicken stock, three to four hours, beef stock, six to eight hours, you're going to have some loss of moisture, and that's why you end up with a gallon versus six quarts. Uh, So, the bones, obviously, are real important. Different types of bones you can use depending on what kind of stock you want to make. Beef bones, veal bones, chicken bones, fish bones, turkey bones I talked about. Um, you know, whatever it is that you want to do. Um, of course, mirepoix. You know, when we talk about mirepoix in the kitchen, if you don't know what mirepoix is, mirepoix is three things, okay? It's carrots, it's onions, it's celery. And 50% of the ratio... For your mirepoix comes from onions. Great, amazing flavor. 25% of that mirepoix is carrot. 25% is celery, right? So you got a pound, 16 ounces in a pound. So eight ounces of that pound would be in onions, four ounces celery, four ounces carrot. Okay, so we got bones, we got mirepoix, we got water. And then, of course, you want to get some seasonings into your stock as well. What can we use? Well, all depends. Um, people use peppercorns, uh, bay leaves, fresh thyme, dry thyme, parsley stems. Okay, um, you can use what we call a bouquet garni, right? And that's basically uh, a piece of leek, which is uh, in the onion family, a piece of celery, some fresh thyme, some bay leaf, parsley stem. You basically tie it all together with a piece of uh, a butcher's twine um, and goes right in. Or you can use what we call a sachet de piece right? Or a little bag of spices. That kind of what it translates to. And in that case, in there, we're going to use bay leaf again, peppercorn, parsley stem, fresh thyme, all tied together in a little bit of cheesecloth. Okay, now, some people will put garlic in, and that's totally fine. You know, you can do that. But what I tell my students is, unless you're absolutely sure that your final product that you're going to use the stock is going to contain a flavor of garlic. You may want to leave it out. You can always add it in later on, okay? You know, it all depends on on what you're doing. Um, And then it's a good idea not to use salt in your stock because a lot of times when we use stock, we end up cooking it down, reducing it, and if you have your stock perfectly seasoned, if you go to reduce that down uh, to, to make a nice flavorful sauce, what you're going to end up with is something a little too salty. So it's better to use the salt at the end, right? When you're cooking your sauce or your stew, then you go ahead and season it near the end. And leave that salt right out of the stock. Alright, so we talked a little bit about the types of, of things that you could use in stock. So what kind of stock is out there. What types of stock can we use, right? I mean, people think, okay, chicken stock, beef stock, and that's true, right? But basically, we kind of break them down in a couple different categories. Um, The first one we call white stock, and this is where you basically take your bones as they are, along with your vegetables, and you basically simmer them in the water with with seasonings. We really don't do much to it, you know? I mean, if you got chicken bones, um, you know, you might want to rinse them off. We can do a white beef stock, So we don't roast them, we just put the bones, the beef bones in, and basically, um, you know, cook them off. And you end up with what we call a white stock, a chicken stock, a beef stock, something along those lines. Now, some chefs, uh, depending on what kind of bones they're using, uh, they may cover just the bones with water. They may turn it up to a boil. Turn it down, let it cook for a little bit. And the reasoning, uh, and then what they do is they actually end up throwing out that water, right? Well, the reasoning here is there's a lot of impurities on the bones. So, in that first bringing to a quick boil, you get a lot of impurities that rise up to the surface. You skim them off, you throw out the water. And the idea here is we're basically kind of blanching the bones. And Some people, I could see the purpose of it, you know, if you have uh, maybe some fresh chicken bones, you know, it might make sense, Um, I'm one who doesn't really believe in blanching the bones, I don't really do it too often, because I feel like you throw away some of the flavor uh, that you might get in the original water, but you know, it's really kind of up to whatever the chef believes, I mean, I could bring someone on this podcast, that could probably tell me why they do blanch the bones, and you know... It's really kind of... It's a personal opinion. Um, I I would say if you're cooking at home, the home cook, though, I wouldn't necessarily worry about doing something like that. Okay, now we have brown stock. Now, brown stock is the bones and vegetables. Uh, Same thing with seasonings, but the difference is is we're going to take the bones and we're going to roast them off, right? We're going to get a nice caramelization on them. It's going to bring a unique flavor profile and a different, darker color to the stock. Uh, So, um, once again... Whatever kind of bones you want to use, you can roast your chicken bones. I roast the turkey bones before I make my stock. Uh, Definitely, you know, you can roast your beef bones. Um, But that's the critical part here. That's the main difference between a white stock and a brown stock is that those bones have been caramelized. And also, you do want to caramelize your mirepoix if you can. Um, You know, we make make a nice... uh, Beef brown stock. Uh, You know, I I teach the students about roasting the bones in a pan, big roasting pan. Take the bones out, and then we put the mirepoix into the same pan that we were roasting the bones in and put it right on top of the stovetop and and we caramelize up those veggies. Now, a little trick I give to my students uh, and for you at home it's a good idea if you're going to do that that you only brown the carrot and the onion. Why not the celery, you ask? Well, we think about the makeup of celery. Celery is a lot of moisture in there, right? So you go to try to caramelize that. Well, all that moisture is going to end up coming out of the celery, and it's going to be a lot harder to get that nice caramelization because you're going to end up with a lot of water in the pan. And once you have moisture, you can't really caramelize or saute anymore. So it's always good to caramelize that carrot and that onion first, right? And then at the very end, you you can throw in your, your celery. Now, a good... Beef stock also is going to have some kind of acidity in it. Generally, I'll use tomato paste, and I'll put that tomato paste in near the end when the carrots and the onions are done. I'll cook that tomato paste a little bit. That's real crucial that you cook that tomato paste to get out that raw flavor. Then I might add in my celery, right? Then I might add in a little bit of wine, a little bit of water, right? And, and I get all that good, yummy stuff on the bottom of the pan. We call it fond. Right I deglaze the pan, right, or I put water in or wine, and I get all that nice yummy stuff on the bottom of the pan it comes up in the water I scrape it up then I got all this great flavor and that's what goes into into my beef stock, okay and then uh you know fish stock is also important or we call they call it a fume. uh of course, we're using fish bones right, or maybe we're using the shrimp shells or something along those lines and Basically, uh, same thing. Those go in with some vegetables, some seasoning. Uh, a lot of times, uh, put a little bit of wine in there to fortify, uh, you know, the fumet And then uh, another trick sometimes they'll do in the kitchen is uh, sometimes you may have some trimmings from mushrooms, such as the stems or something like that. They're washed up or good. You can, of course, drop those in there uh, as well for a little bit of extra flavor. And then uh, one more, well, actually a couple more different things to talk about. Um... There's another thing that we use in the kitchen. It's called a court bouillon, and when you talk about stock, a lot of times it gets uh, mixed in with that. It's not really a stock per se. Um, What a court bouillon is, is uh, basically we put some uh, mirepoix and some water together, and then we add some acid into that water, such as lemon juice, maybe some white wine vinegar, something along those lines, right? And bring it up to a boil, and we let it cook for a little bit, and then we have this really flavorful water, and we can use it for poaching or blanching um, uh, vegetables, um, you know, or poaching shrimp, poaching chicken, uh, something along those lines. Um, And then uh, when you're done, you know, you kind of have this real flavorful uh, liquid now from the corbillon, and and then whatever you're poaching in there gives off flavor you can take that court bouillon right and we can reduce that down and we can make a sauce out of it and we call that a la nage, right when you reduce down the court bouillon and, and, and you use that as a sauce so if you see shrimp a la nage on the menu it means that they took the liquid that they poached the shrimp in they reduced it and they made a sauce out of it and then of course dashi is another type of stock you know you find in uh, japanese asian cuisine um, and, uh, that of course, there's no, um, well, there is a little bit of animal product if you want to say, uh, and that comes in the form of, uh, what, what uh, is called bonito flakes. So uh, it's the bonito fish, it's been smoked and then they basically dry it and they get these flakes out of it and they use that as part of the flavoring, uh, of water. And then they use, uh, what's called kombu, which is basically like kelp kind of mix that together. And that's the basis of some of the things that you may find in, um, Asian cuisine, uh, as well. Uh, yeah, so a white stock, you know, like we talked about, very neutral stock, um, made from different types of bones, whatever it may be, and then, um, you know, when it comes to cooking times, you know, just remember with your chicken bones, since they're a lot smaller, generally you don't cook them any more than three to four hours, although, you know, that you work in a commercial kitchen, you know, you're making a big, huge batch of, of chicken stock and a big, huge, uh, steam kettle or tilt skillet, something like that, you may let it go overnight. Um, especially your brown stock, you roasted these nice big beef knuckle bones, um, you know, whatever, you're definitely going to let that baby, uh, simmer all night long. Um, so let's talk about making stock. Um, you know, when it comes to making stock, you got to start with good quality ingredients. You know, I can remember some of the places I worked, they'd have this big, huge stock going in these huge kettles. We're talking, you know, hundred, 100 gallon 150 gallon huge stock pots cooking away just cooking away a lot of times they would tell the cooks if you have trimmings you know go put them in the stock well you know you got to be careful what kind of trimmings end up in the stock you tell uh, you know a brand new cook yeah take your trimmings from your stuff and go ahead and put in the stock pot well man what if they're trimming up broccoli or something you know and they throw that in the stock pot well that's going to ruin the stock so make sure you're using good quality ingredients always remember it's a good idea to start your stocks in cold water, right? The uh, proteins, the albumin uh, that is on uh, the bones, um, it kind of it breaks down a little bit better uh, when it's in cold water, right? And that albumin uh, is what helps to make a stock clear, right? A good quality stock. I know we, I should have probably talked about this earlier, but a good quality stock, right, when it's done, should be clear, okay? And then when you properly cool it down, right, when you, and I'm going to go over that in just a minute, when you properly cool it down and you you put it in the refrigerator, when you come in the next day, it should look a little gelatinous, gelatinous, right? It should look a little bit like jello, right? And that's from the uh, the cartilage and the collagen and everything that's, all come together and solidified it's a lot like making jello okay it's the same kind of concept hot water right and then you have the collagen in there and then when you put that and it turns cold it makes it uh, solidify gives it that jelly like consistency so uh, make sure you start in cold water okay you can bring it up to a boil but it's important you bring it back down to a nice gentle simmer you want to just let this baby just gently cook right The way I describe it is, you know, you look on the side of the pot and you just see these kind of little lazy bubbles just popping up here and there, creeping up. You don't want to have it at a rapid boil because then you end up boiling all the impurities into the stock and and you end up losing the clarity of it. So it's important to keep it about 185, you know, proper simmering is 185 to 205, but um, basically you want to keep it on that 185 range. Good idea. Make sure you're skimming your stock as it cooks. All these impurities are going to come up from the bones, right? It looks like a frothy, this kind of frothy stuff that comes up on the top. And take a little ladle, take a, a skimmer, or whatever, and just kind of skim that stuff off so it doesn't end up uh, back in the uh, back in the uh, into the the stock. You know, we call that de pouye. Uh, after it's cooked a proper amount of time, then you want to make sure you strain it. You know, uh, we, you can use what we call a chinois, very, very fine, um, uh, almost like a sieve. Um, you could also use something with larger holes, like a china cap. You put a little piece of cheesecloth in there, but it's always a good idea to strain it through so you make sure you don't catch, uh, there's no little um, pieces of anything, uh, little pieces of thyme or anything uh, falling through into your final stock. All right, then after you strain the stock, you want to make sure you chill it down correctly. Uh, obviously, the proper cooling technique is to go from, you know, 135 where you're or outside of that, outside of the, the temperature uh, danger zone. Um, so basically, you want to go from 135 down to 70, all right? And they give you a couple hours to do that. Um, you know, at home, you're probably not going to necessarily follow this. You might even be doing it and you don't even realize it, but it's always good to know. You want to get it down to 70 degrees. Basically, what we do in the kitchen, we have different ways of doing it, but a lot of times we'll use what we call an ice bath, right? So we'll set up the sinks, put a bunch of ice and water in there. We'll put the stock in some kind of container, a plastic container or cambro, put it in there, and, and uh, we try to get it to cool down. Or if you're lucky, some restaurants they have called blast chillers, these super freezing cold... Uh, refrigerators basically that they can use and that will chill it down real, real quickly. But just make sure you go down 135 to 70 in two hours and then you have four more hours, right, for a total of six, but four more hours to get it below 41. So we're out of what we call the temperature danger zone where bacteria grows best. Right, after you cool it, make sure you store it properly. Like if you make a stock at home, it's probably good for maybe about a week or so in the refrigerator, Um, if you see some fat on the top, not a big deal, you just scrape it off with a spoon, you know, I use that sometimes to saute with, you know, maybe you've heard the term schmaltz, chicken schmaltz before, that's basically what that is, you can definitely use it or you can scoop it off and get rid of it, um, but try to use it within a week, if you're not going to use it within a week, you know, make sure you preserve it, you store it. Um, like I said, I can my stock. Um, of course, I have to pressure can it. You know, uh, I can go. I'll. I'll probably. I'm definitely going to have a podcast about that coming up in the near future. Um, but if you don't can it, you know, you can put it in containers. You can freeze it. Um, you know, probably maybe a good couple months in the freezer before or, you know you can use it. Um, another little trick that I tell people about, especially the home cook, um, if you make a batch of stock, you know. If you have uh, those, uh, a lot of people don't have these anymore because there's uh, ice makers in most refrigerators, but if you do have one of those ice cube trays, a couple of them laying around, you can fill those with your stock and put them in the freezer, freeze them, you know, overnight, whatever, and then the next day, just pop them out, put them in a Ziploc bag, and then you have these little one or two ounce little cubes, and you can drop them in as, you get, as you're as you cooking, you know, you're making a nice risotto, you can drop a few of those in, whatever. Um Yeah, so, uh, just make sure you, uh, you take care of your stock, uh, after you make it, you know, uh, you're putting all this time into it, so it's important, um, that, that you, uh, that you take care of it correctly. Um, you know, some people ask me about commercial bases, you know, you can buy those bouillon cubes, you can buy bases and and things like that, and. Um, you know, there's people who use them. Uh, there's a time, you know, in a pinch where you might need something like that. But obviously, the, the the big thing for me is I do not like the saltiness, the sodium that is in there. And that to me, it just has um, a f- almost a fake flavor to it, right? I can, You could put two soups in front of me, one weighed with a base and one weighed with the stock. And right away, I can tell you exactly which one was made with the base and which one was made with real stock there's definitely um, you know a a flavor profile to the the stock or the bouillon that it just just doesn't taste real Uh, so like I said some people use them some people don't it's kind of up to you just be careful with the sodium level and, and that off flavor Last thing, when it comes to to stocks that I usually talk about is what we call a glace or a glaze, right? This is where you take your stock. You know, imagine you have a gallon of stock or half a gallon of stock, and you reduce that down to like four ounces or six ounces, and you end up with this really syrupy consistency. Um, and if you go to taste it, I mean, it, it's just like an immense flavor profile of this stock, almost like it almost like You know, blows you away. It's just like this really intense flavor. Well, there's a use for these glaces, and they can be used to help finish off a sauce that might, maybe, it didn't quite get that flavor you're looking for. So you put in a little of this glace to help finish off a a stock or something like that. Um, You know, sometimes we'll make glace, we'll put them in little one ounce cups, put them in the freezer, and then if we're making a a batch of sauce and, and it's just missing that little oomph, right? That little powerful kick at the end will drop in a little bit of glossé just to finish it off. So, you know, definitely, uh, there's, there's uses and places for them as a home cook, probably not something you'd necessarily use, but it's always a good idea to, uh, to bring it up. So anyways, uh, that's stock, you know, for me, it's such an important and critical component of, uh, the kitchen, the home cook, the commercial kitchen wherever right it's the base it's the foundation of what you're doing so always make sure you're doing the best you can with the stocks using high quality ingredients all right i want to thank you very much for listening to my very first culinary podcast on stocks stay tuned i got some more great things planned i'm trying to see if i can get some guests come on and of course if you guys have any suggestions let me know all right thanks for tuning in to the chef's table